0: Welcome, welcome to the Sports Memory Podcast. Today, we're talking the NFL, the massive San Francisco-Miami trade that involved three first-rounders and a third-rounder, the Miami and Philly trade that immediately followed, the new 17-game season and how it could change the sport, updates on this wild free agency period, and a preview of the 2021 draft, the rise of Zach Wilson. The many differing opinions on Mac Jones. And one of the most polarizing talents we've seen in the draft in years, Justin Fields from Ohio State. Is there historical amounts of quarterback talent in this draft? Or are teams just reaching out of desperation? All that and more. Let's get this started. So, San Francisco and Miami. Miami. Big story this last week, by far the biggest NFL story out there right now. Uh, We were all kind of wondering what San Francisco was doing. Um, They were rumored to be dabbling a little bit with Kirk Cousins, which was kind of weird. Uh, Then they were on the Deshaun Watson train for a little bit. And now it's become very clear what the San Francisco 49ers plan is for the future little bit less clear for the dolphins but obviously the san francisco and the 49ers or in miami dolphins come together on a deal uh which is just a huge deal uh i think in total uh san francisco gives up three first round picks in a third rounder so uh they go out and get the number three overall pick which we presume is a quarterback um reactions on this on this monster deal guys
1: think that's got to be the biggest deal since the uh the rg3 trade-up um three first rounders. that's steep and i I think the the niners are in a unique position where maybe it wasn't too much because they've got a lot of like young talented guys that are under contract for a while um so this is a move that can a impact it immediately but give them some um some some good traction going forward if if it's well i'm assuming this has to be for justin fields um I he. I know we're going to talk about quarterbacks in a little bit, but that's that's just too much value to give up for someone that isn't isn't the quarterback position.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I don't think you make this move without it being a for a quarterback. Um, but I think that we've started to be seeing see a pattern over the last couple of years where teams are not valuing first round draft picks quite what they used to. Right. So teams are taking this as more. Um, you know, they prefer actual. Uh, players who have performance track records typically to first round draft picks. Uh, We've seen that in like the case with the Rams trading away for um, Stafford and Jalen Ramsey, et cetera, but also uh, making moves like this, where it's like, Hey, this is what we're trying to do. It is strange to come out and be like, Hey, Jimmy is our guy this year. Um, When we all know that you're definitely making this move for a quarterback because there's nobody of value that you would wait, that you couldn't wait for. And there's no reason to go all the way to three to get like, a or something
1: well see that that's the big I think that was the most important thing about when when they came out and spoke about what the deal was with Garoppolo was they finished with this year um, so they're good enough to have have a quarterback develop under a year and figure it out and maybe move Jimmy G for some trade capital
3: uh, but I think this year was just the the most important thing. Um, yeah, for sure. And, and I, so for me, right away, I thought San Francisco's a loser in this. That's a lot of capital to go all the way up to three, uh, especially because now you're hearing rumblings that Mac Jones is their guy, and you didn't know, need to go to three to get him, I don't think. I think they're probably the only team in the league that has him as a third QB on their board, if that is true. Um, I really liked it for Miami for about 15 minutes until they made the second trade. Uh, when, when, when it was just the first trade, they acquired three first-round picks. They have their quarterback, two as their guy. I thought it made a lot of sense. They're reloaded. They have tons of picks to go get position players and make a big move. Uh, even if they miss on one of those three, you still get two studs. Then they make the move with Philly. And honestly, I think Philly had the best uh, acquisitions of this whole thing. They move back. They think they might have a quarterback, you know, and kind of, test, you know, hit the brakes on that, see if, if, if that's what it is. Uh, and they go back and get more assets to to take more position players, which they have holes everywhere. So I don't think it's necessarily bad for Miami. They don't have as many holes as a lot of teams who are picking earlier in the draft. Obviously, they acquired theirs from, from a trade. Uh, but giving up that capital so fast really, I, f- I think, marries them to Tua. Unless they're going to flip Tua and and they just keep flipping first-round quarterbacks, like you know how they acquired Josh Rosen. You're seeing a lot of guys not get a, a, a real chance before they move on now.
0: Well, let's keep it on San Francisco just for a second, um, which is, you know, obviously San Francisco, they want a quarterback. Um, it's interesting to, to me. See, for me, there's a bit of insecurity with having the third pick. With the second pick, like, you know, Trevor Lawrence is off the board, number one. I mean, the, the Jaguars, they're not even attending any other pro days. They're all in on Trevor Lawrence. Like, they, it's, they're making it obvious. that They're not even beating around the bush like a lot of teams have, around the, have in the past. They're basically saying we're getting Trevor Lawrence. So that leaves very little confusion for the second overall pick, which, if you ask them, you know, draft scouts, what it, that was two months ago, I think it was undoubtedly Justin Fields. But there has been so much movement on the draft board, um, so much uncertainty at this point. I mean, Zach Wilson kind of coming out of nowhere, he's being talked about as like the guaranteed number one pick. And I don't know if this is just NFL writers kind of getting too you know up in the hype I I don't I don't really know what's going on with the Zach Wilson hype like I I, this guy seemingly came out of nowhere for me like I I get that he was always going to be a top five pick but to be the definitive number two it's just a little bit confusing and then like you said we kind of thought that they were in on Justin Fields well as it turns out Shanahan will not even be attending Justin Fields pro day tomorrow. Jeez. So uh, the the only guy that's going to be attending the pro day, uh, um, Justin Fields' pro day, is, I believe, John Lynch. So Shanahan going to Mac Jones' pro day over Fields, and Mac Jones has already had a pro day. So Mac Jones is throwing again for Shanahan. That says a lot to me. That says that the 49ers are definitively in on Mac over. If
3: you you look back, I mean, when the Deshaun Watson trade stuff was heating up, Shanahan's quote was, I don't need an explosive playmaker at my quarterback position. I need a guy to distribute the football. So to me, looking at that quote, that lends more to a Mac Jones. But then why go up to three? You don't need to go up to three for Mac Jones go to 4 or 5 or you know I mean like I just I don't understand going to 3 for Mac Jones. He could there's go a good to chance if, if he doesn't get taken in the top 5 enough teams don't move up. He could make it. There there's early mocks having him at like 15.
0: Mac Jones is or uh, Shanahan's one of these guys that every time I think I'm impressed with him, he does something to set himself back a bunch of steps. And th- this is just another one of them. Like you, you think okay, you, yeah, go get your guy. Go get the, what do you mean you don't need an explosive guy quarterback? What does that fucking mean? Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I guess if you look at his track record of quarterbacks, Kirk Cousins, Matty Ice, um, Jimmy Garoppolo, like, yeah, I guess he does live by that statement, but what are you fucking doing? What does that even mean?
1: You no, know, it, it's funny. Well, he
2: also, he also did have RG3 in Washington, so he was that year. So he understands what maybe an explosive quarterback can give you but maybe he's scared about the Injury factor or something I don't know
3: But there's different I mean there's, there's so many Different meanings to that to use that word choice Like Aaron Rodgers is not Somebody who's going to run too much Russell Wilson doesn't run too much like but those Are explosive quarterbacks those are guys who, who Give you uh, a variety of threats they, they can hurt you in multiple ways like that's Another thing you have to prepare for if you have a Fucking jugs machine back there a quarterback Like <laughs> you're not worried about that As a defensive coordinator nah,
2: but, Yeah you know, so the one thing about Shane that I have noticed is that he definitely falls in love with certain guys. Right. And he's done this. We've seen it in their track record of free agency. He's smarter
3: than everybody else. And he's not.
2: (laughs) Yeah. We've seen it with their, with their free agency. Like remember when they paid Tevin Coleman, like he really loved Tevin Coleman in Atlanta. And it turns out that Tevin Coleman was pretty much what we thought he was. Um, A guy who's injury prone and he's, you know, good with the ball in his hands when he's healthy. But other than that, you know, he's kind of replaceable and yet they paid him a bunch of money and they've done it time and again. So he is a guy who falls in love sometimes and it doesn't work to his, his benefit. It doesn't look like.
1: Yeah. Um, uh- I'm still just sitting here, back here laughing. Drew, I can't think, I can't remember how many times I've heard you back and forth on Shanahan. Like, he is the best offensive coordinator in the league, too. Wow. What a fucking idiot he is. So, I I
0: still love his football mind. You know what I'm saying? But I hate his personnel decisions. Anytime he seems to be involved in any personnel decision, it turns out terrible. They need to take Uh that away from him entirely. His football decisions are very, very sound. Ex- well, except for throwing, continuing to throw against the Patriots, but, but he was. A I genius think he's for a good three
2: quarters. I think he's a good play caller and I think he's a good play designer. That doesn't mean he's good at analyzing and understanding what actual talent looks like on the football field. His, yeah, his from run a play design perspective.
3: His run play design is like revolutionary. Some of the stuff that he does, like when you break down the play, like it's it's outrageous what he does, especially with like offensive line blocking schemes. Mm-hmm. But you know, speaking of, of of you know personnel moves and everything. Is John Lynch getting exposed as a bad GM here? Because my unequivocal feeling is, yes, he's fucking terrible.
2: It, it, uh, well, I mean, if he's giving the, the coach what he wants, right, by doing this, is it really on John Lynch? Um, so I uh, it's very hard to separate the two, and I, I don't know that they're, they're pretty much married to each other. Um, essentially, if the deal works out and they get a good quarterback and that's their quarterback for the history, then I don't think it makes him look bad, but... If they miss, then yeah, it'll make him look bad.
0: Well, I'm glad you brought up John Lynch because what has John Lynch been good at in his career? Drafting. Drafted so, everything. So then, so, then, so then you. Everything take,
2: he's ever done? But,
0: well, no. He, he's he's made some pretty glaring mistakes. I, th- I think the Jimmy Garoppolo experiment, it didn't work out. I, I, and then signing him after only seven games, he hasn't just made every good decision. The best thing that he's done is drafting. I mean, he got what? Uh, Kittle in the fifth round. I mean, he, he's had some gold mine, like f- just splash fifth round picks, Leonard um, Warner. But here's my here's my point. Yeah, he's right. also had some ridiculously good first round picks. And now you take oh, away his first line. round picks for the next three years. I don't get what they're doing. Like you you already had the the number twelve overall pick. Like to me. Dude, make, make a more modest move like the Dolphins did with the Eagles where you're only giving up one first-round pick, and then you probably still get Mac Jones at six. That's the grossest thing about this whole thing. Like, if your guy is Mac Jones, why are you even trading up and doing this? It, the whole thing is very confusing
1: to me. The 49ers uh, organization seems very lost right now. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely confusing. I'm, I'm still a believer that he, he falls outside of the top ten. Um, but, you know, like I said, there's... Cool. The, um, Mac Jones I, I still I, I, I think at this
3: point There's no way that happens yeah. At this point Probably not Just because of who has Repositioned But right. I think You know Back when Before this move happened Before the kind of series that, Of moves that got set off With this move And other teams Still under pressure I mean there There's not a, there, There's not A a chance that He, he can't He might select to 12 Where they're sitting already yeah. yeah
2: So here's Here's the thing If I mean, if I'm looking at it now, right, after the repositioning, I would be surprised if we didn't see the first five quarterbacks taken b- before pick eight. Yeah. At, like, pick eight is the farthest that all five of those quarterbacks are going to fall in my there's been
3: There's been a lot of smoke about – different teams being interested in moving to Cincinnati spot at five. I mean, we could see five quarterbacks in a row off the top of the board. We'll we'll look at
2: teams that we think need quarterbacks too, right? So it's possible that Atlanta at four takes a quarterback to replace Matt Ryan. It's possible they don't. But if they're not going to do that, then they should move out of that spot, right? We think Carolina has been in on quarterback all offseason. So they're a team that could absolutely move up. They reportedly had Mac Jones at, um, at the Senior Bowl and loved him. So they would be willing to take him at eight if he fell to them or possibly move up. Um, And then so you look at a team like Miami, they could move down again if they wanted to at six or they could take a quarterback if they want. I don't think that they go that route. But for me to see those five quarterbacks get past eight, I don't see it.
3: Yeah. Now I agree. Right.
0: So let's let's now let's move to the Miami end of the spectrum. Um, You know, I I I thought it was a definitive go all in on to a move when they made the trade and it was fucking brilliant i mean at this point folks they took uh the Tunsil trade and they've turned it essentially into five first round picks um and a third rounder uh i have not seen a team you know wheel and deal with a pick and like that in quite some time it's 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 really fucking remarkable what they've done with that one pick They they're gonna rebuild their entire franchise with that one trade but then they make and, that and trade back up. Here's an
2: interesting point on Tunsil. Remember, he fell way, way farther down the draft board because of the gas mask. Because of Miami. So like, <laughs> so, like, they turned in what was, you know, a projected top five pick that they scooped up way later because of the gas mask and then flipped him and turned him into five first-round picks. It's They've won in every aspect of that move.
0: Was Greer the, the, the GM back then when it, during the Tunsil pick? I don't believe so. I think that was Mike Tinnen Okay. Bomb. So whoever whatever, whoever released that video, that turned around the entire Miami organization. Um, but yeah, so then they go back to 12, which I thought really strong. Just keep those picks. For me, the trade back up to six, and the theory is that they're trading back up to six so that they're in position to get the best weapon, the best like wide receiver. But I
1: don't understand that play. So... I- so uh, Sorry to cut you no, off, but I, I, but I do have a couple points with this because um, obviously I, I keep bragging about what Miami's done for the last couple of years, and obviously it stems from, um, <clears throat> from the Tunzel deal. Um, and I still believe that uh, the way Miami's positioned themselves, they're going to be in the upper class of the AFC for years and years to come. For sure. So what happens here at the sixth spot, other than, yeah, you're, you're still in position for someone that you wanted to get at three, but now you're paying less money. For one for two if you do have a high run of quarterbacks in the front end someone still might come back in and trade on that six and we're talking they still have two first round picks for the next three years so even though they gave up you know some equity they're still pretty damn sound with what they have to pick with so th- I think that's kind of like the method there but you know shit snagging someone like Micah Parsons or now even Jamar Chase at six it's a steal you're saving money um and you're getting a playmaker uh way lower than you should have so i I'm, I'm Obviously, they gave up some, but I, th- I think it's going to be a, a really good, interesting move. So,
0: you think they traded with the Eagles just because they liked the value that they they, they liked that that the Eagles were offering them, I just th- one giving up one first round pick to trade that
1: I, up? I absolutely do. I think there's great value in Philly.
3: I, sticks I, could be a high leverage pick. I mean, let's let's say Atlanta sticks and, and kind of stands pat and picks Sewell there at at four, then maybe Cincinnati feels pressure. They don't want to trade back and take the risk of missing Slater. They want to they want to get themselves a tackle as well. You could be in a situation where at six, where like Justin Fields and Jalen Waddle are both on the board. And you can say, "Hey, somebody want to move in and take Justin Fields, you know, and, and come back with a king's ransom on draft day?"
1: And, and honestly, they kind of—I don't want to say they fleeced Philly, but they kind of fleeced Philly. They, they, it wasn't too much to get move up. Yeah, way spots. more value to move up than they did, and and that was because Philly's, Philly's desperate right now for they have they have to get some picks and they have to rebuild because they're they're in trouble with everything they've done. So it, I think it was a great value move. Might not make sense, but I think come draft day, some some of the weird pieces that we can't see will fall into place. Place. It
0: Was Philly like that dumb kid in middle school that you know? Did you ever, did you guys ever trade like lunch <laughs> items? Like, <laughs> hey man, and, and he's just getting fleeced every fucking day. Like, like dude, you just trade cards and pogs. And- <laughs> you just trade your chocolate milk for a fry, you know, <laughs> right? I'm sorry, you're I, not trade my, good at I trade my
3: Oreos for a sandwich and a bag of chips, and I trade the bag of chips for chocolate milk. <laughs> yeah, and right. Exactly. It's pretty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so
0: maybe they're the slow kid that just getting taken advantage by the. But uh, yeah,
3: it's like
1: the Jags GM in draft day doesn't know what he's doing. He's Like, <laughs> oh shit! See, but I actually still like
0: it from the Eagles' pr- perspective because they really do need to build draft well, capital for the future. Well, yeah, it's, they it's could have got more though. You're right; a, they
1: definitely could have got more. They had they had to make a move, taken off for now, um, and it just gives them some breathing room because no, whatever they do at six, they can do at twelve and still get some you know future picks. But. You know one pick that was that's almost nothing to move up there in a third round mix or whatever. they
0: should have asked for that third rounder they that they just got yeah it's
3: weird but. but yeah if they're sitting in a spot where you know Miami is sitting at six they're on the clock Justin Fields is still on the board I mean I guarantee they could pick up something nice to move back two spots to eight for Carolina yeah. uh, and then still probably go get the same exact guy they they would take at six
0: so what do you what do you think of Miami though they are I mean because they're they're basically holding on to a um is there no chance if they're sitting at six and Justin Fields is there? Is there no, no chance that they grab a guy like that, or are they definitely sticking with Tua? You guys think, and what do you think about that?
3: I'm not I, a Tua fan.
2: I think if if they get to that spot where Justin Fields is actually on the board at six, that they would do exactly what you said and trade back. I don't think. I think they're going to give Tua to one year. One year, prove it. Um, this year, we're going to try to surround him with pieces, get him some weapons, because they didn't have a real downfield threat. Now they've gone out and they've gotten Will Fuller, which I think was a good move in free agency. They'll be good and they can go out and like try him. to sign or, or draft a, uh, a wide receiver in the first round, whether it be Waddle or Chase or Smith or whoever's there. That'll give them somebody that can threaten the downfield pass and then they can utilize that and actually evaluate Tua. They still probably feel like you know, Tua was a little bit dinged up early in the year, and then by the end of the season they didn't have the necessary pieces in order to evaluate him. Then if they evaluate him after this year and they say, no, we don't like Tua, they still have the capital to move around or do whatever they want in order to get another quarterback
3: in there. Yeah, yeah, or or you pick up the phone and start taking deals for Tua on draft day.
1: Yeah, for sure. And
3: say, you know, can we get into the late first? Can we pick up an early second for him? Uh, And don't forget, they pick again at eighteen, so they can package something with that eighteenth overall pick as well.
0: Yep, and maybe maybe they're just like like you said, giving Tua one more year and seeing how this whole Watson thing shakes out. Um, And you know if, if. I mean, this, we're going to talk about it in a little bit. Uh, I don't think this Watson thing is going to shake out well. This thing keeps getting worse and worse and worse and worse. We did a whole pod devoted to it. But, you know, that might be an interesting play, too. Regardless, Miami has flexibility. Yeah, They have flexibility on draft day. Um, and, really, they hold all the cards, man. Uh, they, they're in an interesting per, uh, position. They they seem almost Pat's-like in that they seem to know more than everybody else. And they're making moves like... like miles ahead of everybody else. It's, it, it's it's really intriguing to see that organization turn around.
1: Yeah, um, it's it's been fun to watch. I, you know, the Van Noy things the only like Paid too much for somebody, but for sure. but you know they, they're trying to make a splash. You know, trying to keep everyone happy. Shit happens, but you know, at least at least they're trying to make some moves. And, and they got, I think they have like top three or four like salary cap space, so it doesn't doesn't hurt them too too much.
0: Even a smart Miami team is still getting fleeced by the Patriots. That's yeah. hilarious. <laughs> so in case you're unaware, uh, what the Pats did is they waived Van Noy last year. Dolphins came in, picked him up, signed him to a contract, which then cost uh, Miami their fourth round pick conditional. Or uh, to to
3: to the Pats and then, yeah, the Pats made up a, a compensatory pick. Yeah It's, yeah, it, yeah, it's, it's a, comp, a comp, pick. comp pick. It's not. It
2: doesn't it doesn't get taken away from Miami. Right. Yeah. It does get added to New sure. England.
0: So it gets added to New England and so then New England gets back Vinoy though. At, at half the, <laughs> the price. Yeah.
3: The very next at, year. Yeah. At, at half the price, and also the year that the, the he was gone was a year that they weren't competitive, anyways. Yeah. They've
0: done that so many times, it's just criminal. Like, if they wave a guy, don't touch him. They're going to. Bill Bilichick has already built in a plan with that guy to suck for your team and then come back a year later. That well, <laughs> was,
1: was the first thing I said to Derek uh, when he got released by Miami. I was like, wow, he's coming back to New England for half price, guaranteed it. For <laughs> sure. Eight seconds later, Kyle Vannoy just signed. The
0: guy's amazing. The guy's amazing. Um, Also in the news this week, 17 games. It's officially happening, folks. We don't really know what's going to happen with it. Um, But it throws off a lot of things. I have so many questions about it. Um, Number one, now a team, uh, half the teams are going to have... One more home game than everybody else. That's Rot- a little bit bizarre. I think it rotates, though. Yeah, but still. It's, it's still, it's yeah. Like, like every like every odd year, you're going to have one more home game. It throws off the competitive advantage to me. Um, the scheduling, which I've always loved how methodical the NFL scheduling is, it really does go around the horn, and it's, it's just really consistent with what they do. I mean, what do you guys think about this? Is this a good thing for the NFL or a bad thing?
1: Well, the only thing I don't like is... just look at records single season and career records like that just puts everything in jeopardy now so i'm a stickler with that but they didn't have a choice uh they i think they were going to be staring down 170 million maybe 175 this year without that game that game alone brought the salary cap back up to what 182 or something that it was and then obviously going forward now you're going to start seeing that cap the following year that cap's going to be like 215 220 yeah, that, that one game generates so much money. So like, yeah, it's right. going to be a bit of a bitch, but at least they're, they're taking one less preseason game. Uh, training practices are going to be different through the season uh, to compensate for it. And, you know, everyone's going to start making some more money. So it, it'll be a weird transition, but I, I think, I think it'll be a good transition by, you know, year two, three.
3: So the reason why it generates so much more cap revenue space uh, is because the labor cost is fixed. Uh, The players aren't getting extra money for this game, so they're now annual salaries divided by 17 instead of 16. So I've seen a lot of players who are pissed. I mean, that's that's extra week of practice. That's an extra game. That's more risk on them for literally zero more compensation. Uh, so I think that's going to become a big point of contention come the next CBA. And I think that's something that they're going to really look into, whether that means, you know, per sal- per game based contracts or, or whatever the case may be. But to feel the downward pressure of that salary cap staying down, plus now you, you're getting the same amount of pay for more work. Um, those are two things that the NFL is going to have to deal with at the, at the bargaining table for sure.
2: But is so is this 17 game is this just for one season or is this going to be moving forward it's permanent is it locked in i
3: think it's permanent yeah
2: it's permanent so yeah so if that's the case one i don't know exactly how they did it because didn't they ratify the cba last yeah, uh, before bit, last offseason it,
0: well that, that's what i was years? that's what i was just going to say is this was negotiated by the the pa so yeah. I, I understand that players are upset about this but this is something they agreed to. And the, the PA has always been a week in the NFL. It's always been weak, week. And that PA was kind of organized, I think it was last year during COVID, wasn't it? It was kind of quiet, the negotiations yeah. that went on. And and I, I, yeah.
3: So one of, the, one of the mechanisms that had to happen in order for this to ha- for this to happen was there had to be a new TV deal. So there had to be a new agreement from a TV standpoint. And I think the, the understanding and when you're sitting at the bargaining table as the NFL PA, you're thinking, okay, new TV deal means more revenue. Which means, you know, we get a better share of that because there's an owner, there's a there's a profit sharing model. Um, this new TV deal didn't really add any new money, as far as is what it added to the total pool. So I, I think the way the NFL went around it was kind of shady. Yeah, it's it's, it's you know per the language uh, that was that was agreed on, but I don't think it was per the spirit of the agreement. So they'll probably pay for that on the back end, but again, not a very strong uh, PA. As far as the other major sports, I think I think baseball and basketball have much stronger players associations. Um, so we'll see you know, how that how that lands out. But again, the NFL, I know I've talked about this before. The NFL doesn't have the problem that some of the other sports have. NHL has to figure out profit sharing and how to stay afloat. MLB, apparently a lot of teams lose money. The NFL's problem is like, how do we split up all this money we're making?
2: Right. They lose, quote-unquote, <laughs> lose money,
3: sure. Right, there's some creative accounting for sure. Well, Yeah, that's the, all it is, is
2: creative accounting. It's just how much can you lose is really what yeah. it comes down to.
1: Right. For me, the real question I'll pose to each one of you guys, which single-season record this year will be broken with an asterisk? Will it be passing yards, passing touchdowns, will it be on the ground? What What do you think will be the first record? One, one record has to go down this year. It just has to. Yards. It's going to be Mahomes. Yards,
2: yards is the easiest one for sure. Yep.
1: You know, I think it'll be passing yards
0: because the quarter... You That's know, like, running backs aren't going to sit... Are, are, will probably sit out more, I think. I don't think quarterbacks will sit out all that much more because, you know, especially if you're a quarterback like Tom Brady and you haven't ever taken a hit in your career, yeah. Um, you, you don't really put yourself that at that much risk to play an extra game. Now, running backs, completely different, you know. I think you might actually see... Those, those those last few games, and from a fantasy perspective, it makes it really interesting. Do you even change your fantasy season? I think you let it ride exactly as it is right now because that 16th and 17th week, or sorry, will it be 17th and 18th week are going to be very confusing. Um what teams are going to do with that. Nobody really knows. So should be interesting.
1: Yeah, and that's a good point when you bring up the running backs now. So, you know, now you really start looking more into load load management because guys that, you know, I think 300 is like the weird, the tough threshold at the end of the season. Now we're going to start flirting with 350. It's a lot of touches when you you start getting banged up. For sure. Yeah. So
3: I, I have an I have an offer uh, as far as what I think record could be broken, and, and the one I think might be most likely likely is again, you know, kind of focusing on the passing game. Um, and, and a record that it has a relatively low value per game is the sack record. So you look at twenty two over a sixteen game season. I think you add that seventeenth season. I mean, you, you need a guy to average not even one and a half, and he breaks that record.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. Huge. It's true. Nope, oh, Aaron Donald, go get it.
1: Right, TJ <laughs> Watt, TJ Watt, it, it, uh, Shaq it'll Barrett. Those yep. are all guys that can. Yeah, for uh, sure. I'm just looking forward to that argument and debate conversation about, oh, well, you wouldn't get it if you didn't have the 17th game. You know? Yeah, I, I, I just don't. I don't like it.
0: I don't like when sports do things purely for money. Um, and it, you can't, you can't tell me that the owners aren't making enough money. It's just, it's nonsense. If you look at other sports. You know, with the NBA, where barely 50 percent of them are profitable. It's just not the case with the NFL. Um, the teams that aren't profitable are, are it's a very small number. Um, and it's just it just shows you how little le- little leverage the players have in the NFL as compared to other sports that they agreed to this. And I think in the end, it affects the sport in a negative way. I just don't like it all so- around. So, so one interesting
2: that you touched on that I wanted to go back to is um, that extra game in terms of the schedule, right? So the NFL schedule, the way it's set up is, you know, you got the uh, two division games against each of your division opponents for six games total, and then you play one one division in each conference. Where does that extra game come from? Where what is so what exactly. is the scheduling going to be for that? It's the
1: opposite. Conference. How are they going to decide it? It's the opposite conference. So I know the Bucks are at the Colts, so that's how they're starting it this year. It's AFC South, NFC South, um, and I think the Steelers have somebody at home. I can't remember who so is it was. It, but I say, I is think it going to be
2: the team that is uh, finished in your place in the opposite it, conference, it, in the it, opposite division or yeah, something?
1: They, 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 t- they touched on it, yeah. It's, it's, it's something along the lines. That could be interesting. Interesting. Yeah, it just it's it's very uh, on par with how they set up their schedules as is, uh, like those bonus games. Um,
3: yeah, but but that's pretty much is what it. Is so is a is season eighteen weeks or nineteen weeks a season? It's it's 18. gonna be eighteen weeks. See, I, if you're gonna go to seventeen, I'd like to see a second buy added. Me too. Like make it make it nineteen weeks. Everybody gets two buys, and that way you can stretch them out and a little more fair because some teams get that that like week five buy that sucks or like you know one of those late buys week like twelve. First, Right. The late ones
0: suck too. Yeah. I guess the question is, would an extra buy actually help the players' bodies that much? We don't really know, you know, because they've never done it. Um, But, yeah, I mean, to me, like, once you're in the grind, you're in the grind. You know, players talk about towards, like, week 14, I think it was Jerome Bettis that said after games he literally literally couldn't even get out of bed, like, Monday through Tuesday. And then by Wednesday, he would just be able to walk again. Like the, the the wear and tear is just wild to me. You almost just want to get it over with and get to the freaking off season. That <laughs> well, yeah, they take such a beating on yeah, their bodies. W-
1: once you start getting later into the season, man, it's it's barely any pads. It's more you know. Thug, oh yeah, just, just it's all practice is all mental. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. All right, well, let's move past this. Um, so free agency is it's really not even close to being wrapped up. Uh, me and Marcus were talking about this. There are still some huge fucking names out there. Um, and this really is a historical free agency, uh, however you want to cut it. Um, There are there's so much talent out there. It's, it's ridiculous. And there's still so much talent out there. But I want to touch on, you know, uh, you guys did a free agency pod last week, so we won't go over everything. But I do want to update just on, there's been some signings um, and just want to kind of get your guys' thoughts on who's winning free agency so far. Um, and I'll kick it off with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, man. Um, you know, it started with them. Uh, getting super creative and figuring out ways to okay. to um uh you know make more cap space. I th- were they the ones that started out the voidable contracts? I yep. believe they were, um, which was a genius concept that obviously every other team kind of latched onto. But they go out, they re-sign Leonard Fournette, which I, I think we all agree that was the guy that I thought was clearly the odd man out. You know, and I, I don't even know if I necessarily like the signing, but they bring back quite literally their entire fucking team. Every single starter. Every single starter. It never happens, kicker. guys. It and never happens. <laughs> it's wild. So to me, when I look at teams that just dominated free agency, I have to go with the Bucks because they didn't do much on the free agent market. But they, a lot of their guys became free agents and they brought them back. And it's fucking impressive yeah. what they did. I, I, I got to say that you know their management
1: is impressing me more and more year by year. No Super Bowl team ever keeps every single starter. Yeah, one one guy makes just enough of a splash. Guys like Malcolm Butler finish strong, then they go sign somewhere else. There's there's always at least one starter that gets moved. It's it's I like guess statistical anomaly to keep a the Super Bowl winning team like head to toe the exact same.
3: Yeah, I think it's been like thirty five or forty years. They said since the last time that happened, so that's obviously an <laughs> outlier. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's very impressive.
1: I, I. It's hard to. The only two teams really in the biggest conversation with that, like at the top tier, it's got to be, you know, things New England did, but Tampa. Um, There's a lot, a lot of teams did really well, but um, it's it's hard to argue against anyone but Tampa. Yep. And uh, on the flip side, I'm gonna say my Steelers had the worst free agency, which 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 is proper. What what specifically
0: didn't you like about the Steelers free agency? (laughs)
1: Literally did nothing. You know, it's funny watching all these voided contracts and uh, everyone's clearing up $100 million in cap and the Steelers saved, I think, 700000 by restructuring Derek Watt. That was a beautiful move. And, uh, you know, I lost five starters on defense. It's going to...
0: The Juju go. signing is very, very confusing to me. Um, like I said, I think that, that that parting of ways was was destined in the stars. Like, it seems like the fans had kind of grown tired of him. It seemed like he had grown tired of the fans. He certainly was not the guy he was, you know, that he thought when Antonio Brown was departing, it looked like he could be a wide receiver one. He's not that guy. He's never going to be that guy. I just don't understand what they were doing. It seems like it creates more issues and is even worth what they signed him for. I just, I'm, I'm so confused by that re-signing. I really am.
1: Yeah. it's, It's a good, it's a team friendly deal, but it's also like, it's still a headache. It's still the headache and the drama that you're trying to avoid, you know? And for, uh, um, our um, players friendly coach over here. We always have something stupid going on with uh, with Pittsburgh and social media and TikTok and boots to the face and dancing. And I just
3: don't. I just don't understand why you wouldn't take an extra three million dollars and go do a, you know have a prove it deal in Kansas City with Pat Mahomes. I still like. I'll talk about that probably until he signs his next contract. It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Like to me, if you're a wide receiver, like why would you not want to go play with Pat Mahomes for a year, fluff up those offensive numbers, and then go sign a big deal somewhere else? Yeah,
0: so from both sides, it was confusing. And then another thing is, Buffalo gets out, goes out and get, gets Mitch Trubisky for peanuts. To me, that's what the Steelers should have done. You can't tell me that the Buffalo Buffalo had a better pitch than the Steelers could have offered Mitch Trubisky.
1: Oh, you know what I'm saying? A thousand percent. Like, yeah, he might not be the uh, you know an All Pro kind of guy, but he, he's a pro it's baller. A solid backup. He, he's a solid backup. When you talk about a couple million dollars for someone that can go and has one games. That's, he he's uh, the Nickelodeon most valuable
0: player. <laughs> he he's got awards in his chest. I mean, dude, to me
3: so that's a guy. I mean, he can win a playoff game. Yeah, you know, with, with the rest of, with the rest of that roster, and it, you know, Ben goes down, he can win a playoff game. Do you, I? What? Who do they? Who do they have still? They still have Rudolph. Like that guy's. He's a bum. Yeah, Terrible. he is a bum. He's yeah, awful. So,
1: um, t- we're, we're, that was they were the worst in free agency this year. But I, didn't, I, I think it, well, they did
3: have my they did have my favorite story though. Did you hear about uh, the the Tyson Alualu signing? Yes,
1: yes, I did. That, that was so he that was he verbally
3: committed record. to sign to Jacksonville. Uh, he he's heading down there. Tests COVID positive, has to quarantine, and then during quarantine he's like, man, I really like this brand new house we just built. He starts <laughs> talking. To, he's, he starts talking to teammates. He's like. I don't want to leave Pittsburgh. I'm not gonna leave Pittsburgh. And he re-signs in Pittsburgh for two years. <laughs>
1: yeah. That was the only good
2: so, move they had. So so he's been bad for the Jags twice.
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, g- exactly. Give, give. me another team that knocked it out of the park this free agency.
3: Um, I mean, I I really like what New England did too. Not even, you know, trying to be biased there, obviously, but I, I like what they did. I'm kind of intrigued by what the chargers have done. I'm kind of seeing, I, I want to see what the tail end of the first move is. So they obviously, they, they, they have a very clear defensive identity and what they want to be. Um, they, they say, Hey Casey, Hayward, you're a great player. You just don't fit what we're doing anymore. We're not going to bring you back. Uh, they do the same thing with Melvin Ingram. Those are two like decent names. Those are, you know, I would say top 10 free agents available on the board right now. So I'm curious to see what they do with that money. They have an offensive identity. They have their quarterback, uh, Herbert stud. I want to see what they do on the tail end of this next wave, who they bring in. But I think they've set themselves up in a really good spot to make a splash.
2: Um, I like what Tennessee did. I thought that they could address their defense, and they did that in a big way. Um, bringing in, you know, corner, Norris Jenkins and Bud Dupree, that'll really help out that defense, I think. And that makes them a strong contender in that division once
1: again.
0: All right, and who lost for agency, and why is it the Raiders? I was
1: going to say the Raiders. The Raiders are the other ones. (laughs) Uh, Wolf. So, you know, we're talking about bad
0: GMs. Well, we weren't really talking about bad GMs, but, I mean, is there any question at this point that Mayock is just garbage? I mean, this, this this was a Mickey Mouse GM to begin with. I mean, this is an ESPN analyst, and I'm sorry, but drafts never go the way that ESPN analysts paint them out. In fact, they're always hilariously wrong. And and so you go get this guy it's such a Mickey Mouse signing. It's a dude that, you know, John Gruden liked to go have beers with after work at ESPN. It's so obvious <laughs> their relationship. And so he goes out, and gets this guy and he's fucking just feral to fucking every guy that he brings in is just trash. He's terrible at what he does
3: and it just And then you have a good guy on your course. roster and you give him away for free. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Literally. I yeah. don't so th- this is here's the thing about this. As much as we want to pin it on Mayock, when you say he's a Mickey Mouse signing, I think he's more like a puppet um, because John Gruden has very much so had major influence on every personnel decision dating back to his time in Tampa. Um, and actually, one of the reasons why he went to Tampa as opposed to, you know, winning a Super Bowl with the Raiders is because the Raiders, he wanted more personnel say and the Raiders said Al Davis said no. And then he was like, all right, cool. Well, I want out of here. Uh, and then they traded him to the Bucks, And uh, once he was with the Bucs shortly after uh, winning the Super Bowl, he pretty much organized for Rich McKay to get moved, up, moved out from the organization, which was a bad move for the Bucks part. And they brought in, um, what's his name, uh, Bruce Allen, uh, his old buddy, who you know has proven also to be a really ineffective GM everywhere he's been. So Gruden, Gruden has a history of doing this. He wants control of personnel, and he's not very good at – um, personnel decisions. If you look at his track record, it's very poor in that respect.
0: Yeah, he he strikes me as an egomaniac, you know. Um, and he he kind of makes these brash moves, and just I I, I truly believe he just kind of slumped out of the Bucks and got in that ESPN comfy job. And you know, he he would he would take offers every single offseason just to up his ESPN salary. But I I believe that he had no interest in going back to coaching because I think deep down he knows he's kind of a fraud. I really do. I really, really, really do. And
3: so, so brash moves, uh, really inconsistent, like so flashy things over any substance. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like a marriage made in heaven to be in Oakland oh, or yeah, sorry, Las not- Vegas now. Yeah. Like, that's so perfect for the Raiders. That's, I, that's what the Raiders have been for, for as long as I've been alive. It's like let's go who's the fastest guy in the draft Let's go get him third round grade
1: yeah We'll we'll take Jacoby Ford number eight overall Yeah right
0: embarrassingly bad uh, yep.
1: Got him Hayward Bay yeah no it's it's just It's embarrassing but what I will say about The Raiders it makes it that much sweeter To not be keeping uh, Josh Jacobs on my fantasy keeper team <laughs> Makes it a little so much easier
3: so one thing I've noticed about all of the available, the kind of the top regions available, they're all hovering right around that 30, 31 year old range. Um, so we're seeing that kind of that mid tier guys, kind of the, the middle of their career, you know, back third of their career guys, they're sitting out there, and I think this is kind of what we thought was going to happen in a free agency. There's going to be kind of a fury at the beginning, tons of money being thrown around, big moves, and then we were not going to hear anything for a little while, and then we're going to see basically kind of a race to the bottom. How little money are these guys willing to accept to, to stay in the league? Um, well, I
2: think they've also turned, you know, everybody's turned their attention to the draft, right? Right. And then what's going to happen is after the draft, then they'll needs? go back and reevaluate where else the other free agents are and, 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 you know, what, what we need, what we didn't get done in the draft. So I think that's what I feel
3: like we've seen. I I think that's, yeah. And and that's part of why we, you know, we thought there was going to be kind of two cycles. Um, There's a lot of kind of older tackles out there. Uh, You know, Eric Fisher and Schwartz both coming off injuries, obviously. Villanueva is on his last leg, last leg there, but he probably has a year or two of, you know, of useful productivity even if it's moving over to right tackle, uh, Russell Okung's out there, you know, four capable guys that the the Seahawks should all go after and won't. Right. <laughs> uh,
1: uh, the, the the pass rushers kind of intrigued me. A lot of those guys, like Aldon Smith, still sitting out there. Obviously, you have the the risks there, but guys like Melvin Ingram who've been pretty solid. Some health injuries, uh, or health issues, uh, getting hurt all the time, but. Man, as, as this cap gets tight, a lot of these guys jump in at that two, three million dollar range. Uh, just adding that, like, such high quality depth can can really elevate some of these
3: teams. There's a bunch of edge guys. There's there's Alvon Smith. There's Justin Houston, Olivier Vernon. Um, I mean, obviously, probably the blue chip one is, is Clowney, but I think Clowney's going to want to sign like a multiple year, high value contract. So he he might be hard to, for him to find a marriage because I don't think he's just going to sign a you know small deal. Um, but then you have the, like, those those depth guys like you're talking about like you know like an Everson Griffin like I could see a team adding him on even if it's in season it could be a good depth guy from from an edge position
0: he'll probably end up with the Vikings he's so bad though the fact that the Vikings yeah. haven't brought him back home is very telling he he's really bad man I, I watched him in the Lions game last year he was getting burned up by our <laughs> our terrible offensive line he's just he he had he had such an amazing four year stretch but I I think he was he was kind of a flash in the pan uh, but what's so, so- Here's
2: one quick question before we move off of some of the free agency stuff. Mm-hmm. Where does Antonio Brown wind up? Because he's kind of like he's he's the only guy out there that you look at on this list where you're like, there's a guy who's you know pretty much guaranteed himself a Hall of Fame spot. He's still productive um, when he's on the field. Uh, the question is, you know, he obviously has all of the off the field issues. Yeah, honestly, Who's going to take that risk on him?
1: It has to be like Green Bay or Kansas City because he's going to he's going to have to play cheap. No one's going to pay him. There's just no chance in it. And obviously, he's going to go want to go somewhere where, uh,
3: you know, he's going to get the score. Oh man, and it has it has to be like a strong personality at quarterback yeah. and like a strong head coach. Like I, I think
0: and not strong in an Aaron Rodgers way. I think that's a match made in hell. Part of me wants me to see it, but I, not- I I really don't think that Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers does not get along well with strong personalities. Really not only that, not. but I,
3: I think Green Bay's in the rare situation where it's like everything that Antonio Brown does really well, just throw the ball to Adams instead.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I think they could benefit from him though. But I, yeah, I, I really don't think it's a good match though, for just personality wise.
3: I do like Kansas City. I think Andy Reid could kind of wrangle him. I think Patrick Mahomes, is, you know, with, with being fun to play with, they need a depth guy now that they let uh, that. I, I won't say anything disparaging. Sammy Watkins is no longer in Kansas City. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll be nice about it. But I, I think there's a need there, and I, I can see that working out. But it's just a matter of, like, is he willing to sign a relatively small deal because Kansas City doesn't have a lot of money. Yeah. How
2: about Seattle? I think that would be a good fit, and we've talked about that previously too. I would love Russell to see Wilson. That, that circus Russell just get <laughs> a little crazier. <laughs> Russell Wilson has apparently
3: clamored for him. So. They should bring Josh Gordon back too. <laughs> If by good you,
0: if you if by good you mean just really fun to watch burn, I agree.
3: <laughs> it would be one on that burn. that's a that fucking circus. I don't think Pete Carroll Pete Carroll's not the strong coach I had in mind.
0: Every year that chemistry gets worse and worse and worse in that locker room. Um and Pete Carroll, like you said, he has no ability to hold any of these guys down. Um no. and and Russell Wilson certainly like he's going to, you know, you get mad at he, Russell Wilson gets mad at you. He's going to tell you about his boy, JC, mm-hmm. and that's pretty much how he's going to deal with that. <laughs> oh, boy. But anyways, so let's move on to the draft. We have a really interesting draft this year, obviously, because uh, no combine. So uh, we pretty much just pro days to go by. And, you know, pro days are a little bit more in the players. You know, the player can kind of structure it. Um, they can put it in their favor Everyone's raving about the Zach Wilson pro day, uh, which even Trevor Lawrence is tweeting about it, which to me, that's bizarre. How how confident are you at number one that you're tweeting about possible number two? Uh, Maybe
2: he just doesn't want to go to Jacksonville.
0: Yeah, dude, he's, I mean, it it is, it is set in stone that the Jaguars are taking Trevor Lawrence There's really no doubt about it. But
1: if if it wasn't set in stone, no chance in hell. He's like, wow, this guy's good. But so, so then,
0: I, I get to looking at Zach Wilson today, who's this definitive number two guy going to the Jets. Like I look at Zach Wilson and he seems like this white bread dude. And I'm sorry. He he, he just does like this kind of uninteresting, like drew Lockish. ish. You know what I'm saying? In the way that he carries himself, like but, but just, no,
3: like frat boy edge at all. Yeah. Like at least drew lock has like a, like a, I got kicked out of my frat kind of vibe to him. Right. Like dorky. Like he comes over and he's dating his your daughter. And, he looks like he went to BYU.
0: Yeah, for sure. <laughs> no, but he looks like a guy like he comes over, he's dating your daughter, and you almost wish he was a little bit worse. You're like, oh man, yeah. that guy's like too good. <laughs> you just you just know your daughter's having terrible boring sex. Exactly. Like, oh man, I wanted my daughter to be safe, but this is a little too safe. <laughs> yeah. Um so yeah, Zach Wilson just coming out of nowhere, uh it it really seems to fall off and get confusing after number two. Um, And the guy that I think really shook this all up is Chris Sims, who for the past four years has really come out with some really great draft projections. Um, This year, this is his list, and it's very bizarre. Starts out with Zach Wilson at number one. Not even Trevor Lawrence. Everybody else in the world has Trevor Lawrence at number one, except for Chris Sims. Trevor Lawrence at number two. Mac Jones at three. Then it gets even weirder. Kellen Mond at four. Justin Fields at five and then Trey Lance at six. So that is so different from, but to give him credit, his last few draft boards, if you look at him, they've been very different. Um, is, should we, should we, should we
1: put any stock into this? Hell no. Have you guys watched Kellen Mond throw the football? Cause he can't complete yeah. shit. He, he's not, he's not a top 10 quarterback. He's just, he's just not, he, he won't translate to anything. He just couldn't, he couldn't do anything. It cost them a couple games. Um, because actually that AM team was damn sound, but uh, when you have a quarterback that can't throw the football, and a- and as a fifth fifth year senior, um, he he won't even make a
3: top ten in any list. Any- yeah, so does his size like for me, his size is what just I, I really makes me uncomfortable. Is he is barely over two hundred pounds? I just at, at the quarterback position. Are, are you talking
2: about Wilson now or
3: Mon? Yeah, Wilson. Sorry, Wilson. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm completely ignoring Mond as a, as an outlier. Like I, I I think he like had a typo. Like I'm not even going to acknowledge that. It makes no fucking sense at all. <laughs> so, so I heard somebody talking
2: about Mond and they were comparing him to Dak Dak Prescott, saying. If you look at their situations in college, so the one thing that Texas A&M may have had a little bit of a weakness in is they didn't have great pass catchers. They didn't have anybody really – they had one really dynamic player um, who they tried to move around a lot and get the ball to. But outside of that, they didn't have necessarily any threats. Um, And so Dak Prescott, his senior year at Mississippi State, they were were good, but – similar situation they didn't have real great wide receivers um and you know they had a good coach who was really good at scheming open players in um in dan mullen but uh that so that they think that that hurt prescott a little bit um i am also an anti-mon guy uh anybody that can play with jimbo fisher and is not being projected as a first round draft pick he can't play at all because Jimbo Fisher turns these guys into first-round draft picks. So the fact that he's not already being projected there means that he's not that good, in my opinion. If you look at it, Christian Ponder went in the first round. E.J. Manuel went in the first round. Um, obviously, Jameis Winston, Jamarcus Russell. He, he he has a record of turning these guys into high first-round draft picks. And for Kellen Mond to have been under Jimbo Fisher for, you know, three to four years now and still not be already there, that to me is a sign that, he's, that he just can't play.
0: So who do you got at number two, Newman?
2: I mean, so I would, I would personally take Justin Fields number two. Um, and I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even, uh, you know, war. Th- there's nothing about my mind that's that would change in regards to that matter. Um, I think that you can like some of the knocks on fields are they, are they saying, you know, he doesn't make it to his second read all the time because the first reads open all this often when he does have to go to his second read, when somebody takes that away, he struggles almost every quarterback at that level struggles. Um, Apparently, they don't think that Zach Wilson struggles as much on that. Zach Wilson has easy touch on throws. He can really rocket it, but so can Justin Fields. Justin Fields can drop dimes down the field. We've seen it. He's also more durable. uh, He's thicker, and he has a higher pedigree. Um, I don't think Zach Wilson is going to be a bad quarterback at the NFL level. He's done some things. Some of the things that he's he's really shown that they've talked about a lot is he has the ability to throw off-platform. If you look at that throw that... uh, he he. Uh, Justin, uh, Trevor Lawrence tweeted out. He throws this ball seventy plus yards um, down the field, and it's off of his back foot, and he's running away. Like it's he's not planting and throwing and stepping into that. He's just flicking it, and it's going that far. So he definitely can throw the ball. The off platform thing. People keep referencing that. They compare it to Patrick Mahomes. So that's what people are looking at when they're trying to get him to that number two spot. I would still take Fields.
1: Fields is my ace still in the hole. So um, You got him at one? I still have him at one. Um, and Obviously, Trevor Lawrence is my two. I'm pretty much the only person, I believe, that has Lawrence not number one. Lawrence is a good man, but I've also seen his talented, talented teams carry him in multiple games <coughs> where he struggled. Um, and a lot of that gets overshadowed, but, man, they were talented. Um, I mean, can't you say the same thing about Val Fields, though? He struggled in some games
2: where the team carried him.
3: Yeah, yeah. The like not a good team. Well, yeah, well,
2: yeah. But, uh,
1: but I'm talking about over the four, like two, three games every single season for uh, for Trevor Lawrence. So, and and I'm not saying he's bad, but I'm I'm personally just going to always take Justin Fields over him. Um, and obviously, we'll see how that goes. Um, but I'm, I'm I think I'm still big on Mac Jones three. Um, so, uh, with you guys, um, I think the way I wrap this one out is Mac Jones. I do like Kyle Trask as my number four and interesting yeah and honestly i'm so low on zach wilson and trey lance that here's your curveball i'm gonna go sam ellinger as my five quarterback i still like him coming out of texas man
0: that's okay. yeah well that's an interesting list that's a chris sims-esque list
3: <laughs> i don't I, mean, I don't see yeah to, to I, me lawrence like what else do you want the guy's over six six he's got big hands he's got a fucking hose for an arm makes all the decisions Dabo loves him wins a natty is a true freshman like what else is, I, I think a lot of people are like ah, it's so boring that like everybody is so high in this guy like let me be edgy and put something you know someone in front of him I just there's no need for me to do that I think Trevor Lawrence is number one two I like Justin Fields for all the reason Marcus is listed plus dude ran a 4-4 like he's a he's a fucking weapon. Now I get that means Kyle Shanahan doesn't want him because he's too athletic to play quarterback for him. I get it, but I don't get it. You fucking idiot. <laughs> uh, for me, number three, it really depends on what you need. If you need, if you have a t- roster that's ready to win today, Mac Jones is your guy. Uh, I like Trey Lance's ceiling a little bit more, so I think if you're if you're a team that's really you know going to be in the middle of a rebuild, maybe take a, a flyer on, on Trey Lance. Um, I kind of feel the same way about Zach Wilson. His frame just worries me. So I, I would put, I think two, three really depends on what you need. Um, if, you, if you're a team that can take a little bit of a risk, you know, but for a higher reward, I like Lance. That's the way I would go if I was a GM.
0: Yeah, for me, I, I got to go Lawrence at number one. Like you said, he's 6'6". And I think the thing that is kind of not talked about Lawrence is the dude's got wheels. Yeah. He can run, man. And, and, and that mobility is going to serve him well. Um, I picture you know he, his speed. I would equate it to like yeah, you know, like Aaron Rodgers or something like that. And maybe maybe not quite as fast as Aaron Rodgers, but he can move. Like you, you get it. He he's gonna be mobile. Uh, they're gonna be able to use that a lot. He he, he really doesn't have a lot of weaknesses. Um, and uh, at number two, this is I know it's surprising. Um, I'm going Mac Jones. Uh, I really like the guy. I think that people doubt him because he did play for such a talented team. Kind of similar to Burrow. Um, you know, Burrow was the definitive number one for almost every scout, but I think that in the back of a lot of you know people's heads, people did still have doubts just because he did play for such a ridiculously talented team. But you can't tell me that Tua didn't also play for exceptional teams. Um, I like Jones better than Tua. I think he's going to end up being a better pro. Um, I think he offers everything that Tua does, except for he he is a little bit. I just, I like the guy's moxie. When I when I look at Tua in interviews, I nothing about the guy impresses me. He's super vanilla. He's never going to go to the, the the huddle and inspire you. You know what I'm saying? I love Mac Jones. I think he's he has a funny Twitter personality. Um, I kind of like the Brady comparison a little bit. I, I think that he could be this just smart, like ultra smart, good with the football game manager that wins you a lot of playoff games. Um, and then I'm going number three. It, it was it was close for me. Two and three. Got to go, Justin Fields. Um, you got to go with the talent there. Um, I think it's wild that San Francisco is considering anybody, um, but Justin Fields. If if you know, if, if Mac Jones is there, I get I I I get the struggle, but um, yeah, Zach Wilson over both those guys. I just don't understand it at all. It it really it boggles my mind. And maybe I'm completely wrong about it. I was completely wrong about Josh Allen, and maybe maybe this is the miss. Um, that some guys are seeing and others others but, aren't,
3: but at, le- at least Josh Allen was like incredible arm talent. He had the size, everything. You're just worried because from the pedigree, right? BYU is not a big school, but it's not a small school. Like we, we get an idea for you know, the level of competition. Dude's still 202 pounds. Yeah, like small. You know, BYU has a serious weight uh, a serious weight regiment program. Like its strength and conditioning is, is legitimate. It's a it's a mid tier D one school. Like what's he going to get up to? Two fifteen, maybe two twenty. Yeah.
0: Yep. No, his size worries me, and um, yeah, I to me it's to pass on on Fields and Jones to go uh, Wilson. If that's if that's the future for the Jets, I'm I'm worried for the Jets. And and like I was telling you guys earlier, I look at Zach Wilson's face, and dude, I'm judging him by his cover. I don't care. That guy's gonna get eaten alive by the New York press. To me, you're going from kind of effeminate, like weak personality, Darnold to another kind of weak personality dude in in Wilson. I don't, I, don't, I just, I don't quite understand it.
3: I mean, this, look at the NFL, you know, the backgrounds that a majority of the players came from and that dude right. steps in the huddle. Like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Newman, you're I a Jets
2: dis- fan. Are, I are kind of worried? disagree with you on this. I, I don't think that Zach Wilson is, you know, as is, is bad as you guys are kind of painting the picture here. Um, I see him similarly to Joe Burrow. He reminds me a lot of what Burrow is. Um Burrow is a little bit of a like a slightly undersized. He's not quite as undersized as Zach Wilson, but he's not significantly bigger. He's one inch taller. Speaking of what I saw, uh I had Mac Jones and, and Zach Wilson at the same height and height. So I mean, Mac Jones is definitely thicker. Um, but uh but that's but I mean he's not he's not like towering over
0: him. Burrow has like twenty that. pounds on Wilson. huh. Brewer is like twenty pounds on Wilson, so Yeah, and he's he's an inch taller. So so I mean,
2: in terms of that's um, um, I think
3: that's important weight though.
2: At that yeah, but, but it's not to say that we can't put some of that weight on him. Um so he, anyway, Reed, if we're looking you've at
3: as a Jets uh, fan, you've
2: mentally I'm already. Saying, drafted. <laughs> I'm saying we as an as an NFL organization that drafts, right? Him. Um, okay. So you,
3: um, I, thought, yeah. I thought as a Jets fan, um, you are, already, you're you, not. You know what's happening. You're not
2: worried about I'm, I'm pretty resigned to the fact that I think the Jets will take him. Um, That's interesting, but. It's but I mean, wild, I have him three out of my quarterbacks. Uh, I, I do have fields above him, but I would definitely take him over Mac Jones because of the mobility. Mac Jones's mobility is definitely an issue. If you look at quarterbacks when they enter the league, um, one thing that they often struggle with. Is if they do not have that mobility and that athleticism, then that can create more issues for them because they're not able to process through the reads as fast um, as you know as veteran quarterbacks are. Veteran quarterbacks can get away with it because of that ability to process and know. Right? If we look at Tom Brady, he plays that style, right, where he processes it very quickly, so he moves on to his reads faster. Um, young quarterbacks always take a little bit longer when doing that. And it's not like Mac Jones was playing at a place where he had to get to his third read a lot. Most of the time, their their first or second read is going to be open at Alabama. And that Hasselbeck actually, or Tim Hasselbeck actually broke it down. Um, and uh, Mac Jones has struggled when he's gotten when he's had to get to that third read, and sometimes when it requires athleticism
0: to make some throws, he
2: struggled with that as well.
0: He never has to get to his third read at Alabama. You're right about that. So we'll we'll see. We'll see. Um. Yeah, I just I don't know, man. Wilson Wilson worries me. Uh, he certainly doesn't if, worry Chris Sims though. If I was drafting a quarterback, I would probably take Mac Jones fifth. I would
2: have Trey Lance fourth because based on the upside. Um, but yes, my top five would go Lawrence Fields, Wilson, um, Lance, and then Mac Jones.
0: Biggest surprise for me and everyone was uh, Marcus saying uh, Trask at four. <laughs>
1: I mean, I, I, let's talk about Trask for a second while how we're how on. I why am some of these quarterbacks, but, but, you know, he's a, he's a playmaker, man. He's not, you know, nothing's super fantastic. And it's not like a, someone I want to take it for right. overall. <laughs> um, I just like him better than the other guys. Sure.
2: So I think Kyle, Kyle uh, Trask can distribute the football, um, especially when it's designed and schemed open to him. He has to go to a place that has a really good, play caller and and coordinator in order for it to be successful he's also 23 years old which is the same age as sam darnold who's been in the nfl for three years so you look at a guy like trask and i just don't see a lot of upside with that he is a guy who will probably be an nfl quarterback for a long time as a backup he's a chase daniel type player in my opinion
0: sure
3: i like it yep
0: uh, what other moves do you see at the beginning of the draft? At, at this point in the, you know, in the saga, I really only like to talk about the beginning of the draft because there could be so many moves between now and then. Uh, what, what do you think the Bengals do at number five?
2: I mean, uh, honestly, if they don't trade that pick, uh, I expect them to take Sewell, P. Sewell out of Oregon.
3: I heard they like the other one. Sean Slater. Yeah. I heard they like him more because of the position flexibility. If they have to move him down to guard, they can. So I've, I've heard they like him better. But Sewell can play guard if you needed him to. Um, yeah. Slater has a little bit
2: more flexibility. He's capable of playing center if you needed him to, yeah. um, which I think actually would be a team like the Eagles, who could draft an offensive lineman and just anywhere. It would be an upgrade for him. Uh, that would be a good pick. I don't think he's going to make it to 12 for no. them. The interesting thing I think in this draft is watching to see where some of the top defensive players wind up going because these are the guys that have been pushed down the most by these quarterbacks. Um so we've talked about, you know, the wide receivers and the offensive linemen are really uh, you know, are, are, are the next off the off the board after um after the quarterback run. So where do the, the defensive players get pushed down? How
1: far does Micah Parsons drop? Well, if he dropped into Pittsburgh, I wouldn't be upset.
3: <laughs> I think there's a good, there's a good chance it's a game day or sorry a draft day trade if if the top three go the way we think they're going to Lawrence Wilson Mac Jones a lot's going to rest on Atlanta and Cincinnati as far as what they do with those picks if if Atlanta stays with that pick and picks Sewell um, I think the phone's going to be ringing off the hook for somebody to get in there at their chance of uh, you know get Justin Fields at five um, if for some reason they stay put and, and we get to six, I think Miami's gonna have a really tough decision to make. Do they trade back and, and I guarantee a team like New England or, or Carolina would be interested in moving up.
2: So yeah, if I'm Miami and I'm there and, you know, the top tackle is off the board at six, uh, I would either be looking at one of the wide receivers, which is very possible for them, or I would be coveting Micah Parsons yeah. for that position just because that that he He's a freak. He's, so he's, he, he's, uh, I comp him to Devin white. I think that's a good fair comp for him. Um, so that's what I think is capable
3: of, of, of producing. And I think he, if you take position ability out of it, obviously there's more value at the quarterback position, but if you just say who is the best player at his position in this draft, to me, it's Parsons hand down. So I would still go Sewell actually. Okay. But,
2: um, but yeah, the, the, that would be, he's, he's, I I would have no issue with him at number three overall in this draft if you're just right. taking players based on grades. Yeah, sure. <clears throat> um, but I think Denver makes a good make is a good spot potentially to take um, a guy like Parsons, and I think it, playing in a Vic Fangio defense would really uh, he could perform well there. But Vic Fangio is probably not long for that job.
1: You almost want yeah. you almost wonder how far like guys like Patrick Sertan Jr. Uh, are going to start sliding. Uh, It's it's good that the middle tier this year is going to get really wild that 12 to 18 because
3: it's so it's so driven by like need because there's so many quarterbacks or sorry, cornerbacks. There's a lot of outside linebackers like there's you you can have your pick depending on who you want as far as there's not a lot of variety from a position standpoint. But if you need one of those guys, I mean, I've seen some people I think Sertan gets out of the first round in a few mocks I've seen. That see- seems ridiculous to me. Absolutely. It makes no it makes no sense. It makes no it, sense at all.
2: If so, one team that's looking really that really is loving what what's going on with this draft is the team like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who just won the Super Bowl doesn't have any glaring need that they need to address and can literally just take best player available and all these other players keep get popped up. Maybe we see more than five quarterbacks off the board in the first round. It's c- c- certainly conceivable. What if that pushes down? What if what if a Washington takes Kellen Mond, right? And then that drops down another quarterback. So the Bucs could be looking at, you know, an elite edge rusher at 32. That'd be disgusting. Or a defensive lineman or offensive lineman, whatever. Like, best player available, if you're, if you're taking that towards the back end of the draft, you are rooting for
3: all of these quarterbacks to go up some of the scary propositions I've seen. I've seen uh, Russo, the, the, the edge rusher from Miami, make it all the way to 27 to go to Baltimore. I mean, that's like a match in heaven. Uh, and a, a Miami to Baltimore, edge rusher. How many lay round steals oh, yeah.
0: did Baltimore get? They get it every every single fucking year. Every year. Every single every year. year. <laughs> and this is why. Yep. <laughs> yep. All right, guys. Well, Let's wind it down. Uh, I know, Derek, you got to make a, a draft, so any closing words? Thoughts? <clears throat>
3: No, I, I'm just excited to see how this shakes out. I think, well, I don't know if we're going to see any more pick trades until we get a little bit closer. I think a lot of that's going to really depend on how those first three, four picks go. Um, if they go the way people think they're going to go, I, I think people are going to be salivating at the opportunity to get fields or, at four.
2: Atlanta might take him. I mean, he's from, you know, Georgia. He's Atlanta. If I'm an Atlanta fan, I would want him. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. It's definitely a possibility. Honestly, the the sliding of of certain players, you know, just before draft, it's always intriguing to me. It's intriguing to me this again this year at Justin Fields. I I do think he's an unpolished product. I think he's going to be a stud. I think he's going to be an absolute stud. So I'm just kind of confused by it. It happens every year.
1: Well yeah, like Isaiah Simmons slide last year. So it's gonna be it's gonna be somebody and it's, someone's gonna be mind blown and someone's gonna be pissed off when they get when they fall out of the top 10, 15.
0: For sure, and Lamar Jackson, I mean, think about him. He showed up to the draft. He thought he was gonna be taken in the top fifteen and he slid all the way to the very last pick. I mean, it's just bizarre how guys just lose steam like this right before a draft, but we'll see. I think he's an athletic stud. But all right, guys, from all of us here at the Sports Memory Podcast, have a great night.